Hello, this is Anxiety Society, the show where we talk about the things that stress us out on a daily basis. I'm Tanner. And I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Alright guys, welcome back to Anxiety Society. Uh, that song was brought to you by DJ Quads. You can find his music on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Um, thank you for being here with us along this journey in Anxiety Society. Uh, and wanted to kind of talk a little bit about how we do this recording. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, Tyler, live out in uh, Dallas, Texas, and my brother, Tanner. Hello. Uh, lives out in Denver, Colorado. So Tanner, explain yep. a little bit how we uh, how we do this every time. Um, so pretty much we are we're calling each other through our phones. We have uh, wireless earphones in so that we don't pick up the audio from that. We're talking into microphones uh, that are plugged into our computer, and then after that's done, uh, we. We have to edit the audio together, pair it together so that it sounds smooth and crispy for you guys. Yes, so uh, currently I am sitting on the floor of my closet with the door closed. Uh, And I don't know where Tanner's at. And I am in the living room of uh, my house and watching the NBA playoffs, actually, currently. Oh, who's who's playing right now? Milwaukee versus Detroit. Ooh, Which is a I, perfect segue into what we're talking about in this episode. Yes. So uh, on this episode, we will be covering anxiety related to sports. Yep. I uh, I actually am in a not so great mood because my team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, just got finished getting beat by the Portland Trailblazers. So I have a little bit of uh, built up tension and anxiety from that game. Can you talk a little bit about why you are frustrated? Tell them a little bit about your favorite player, all of that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty common for sports fans to be upset after their team doesn't win. It's not that unusual, but uh, this is the NBA playoffs, so it's a bigger deal when you lose a game. And I, uh, I started cheering for the Thunder not too long ago, probably like, a year or two back, uh, my favorite player is Russell Westbrook, and so I started cheering for them, and now I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and they're in the playoffs this year, so it is a, it's a great time of the year, but it's also a very frustrating time of the year uh, if you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. And I will say that uh, Tanner is very adamant about Russell Westbrook being the most underrated NBA player, and so having a conversation about... Well, he is. I mean, <laughs> not sure he is the most underrated player. Which is, but... it's funny because a poll just came out from from the player's perspective. There was a poll uh, released not too long ago. And him and uh, Draymond Green were actually voted as the most overrated players in the NBA. Uh, so I thought that was a little Draymond interesting. Green? Draymond yeah. Green, you said? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would say uh, I don't think either one of those players are overrated, but I would say Draymond Green is maybe a little bit more uh, a reliability factor. Yeah. Uh, in that way, I guess he's overrated. So. Yeah. Anyway, but, so yeah. one thing I wanted to talk about before we jumped into kind of our anxiety related to sports, have this really funny slash weird article about the some of the weirdest superstitions that professional athletes have had over the years right which if you don't know what a superstition is it's kind of a weird ritual routine thing that players and even fans do on a you know maybe a daily basis or maybe it's sometime every game day and I think it's it's a good way to kind of tie into anxiety because it's it's really a way for people to like try to control the things that they can control, uh, and and we feel like these little superstitions kind of I guess do that. I would say the other thing about superstitions is that there is no 
if it's a real superstition, there is absolutely no tie into the actual game. It is something that is completely unrelated. Right. It is something that literally will not affect a game in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. But you do it just because you think that if I do this, it changes the outcome of the game. Well, I mean, it does, so. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So, okay, so the first one, um, I'm going to try to hit as many different types of sports as possible. I will say that there are some of these names or athletes that I may not know too well, so I can't speak super well. Hmm. Uh, Most of these are fairly well known, so... um, Anyways, I'll try to hit as many as possible so that some of you maybe can relate. So the yeah. first one is actually Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. Serena yep. Williams played tennis. The GOAT. Uh, I actually did not know this one. Um, so Serena Williams will, for an entire tennis tournament, wear the same pair of socks until yeah. she is eliminated. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's – I feel like that's a pretty – no, I mean, I feel like it's pretty normal. I feel like there's a lot of people that do stuff similar to that. No, it's not necessarily weird. I think yeah. it's just more of I didn't know that, and I'm. it's not one of those ones that's super obvious. It's right. more, like, personal to herself so that she hmm. knows she's wearing the socks versus, like, a pitcher who wears the same hat over and over, right. and you can start to see the sweat stains literally through the right. baseball cap. Yeah, and that is a little not it doesn't shine the best light on her because it's just uh, socks aren't the most uh, they you know they sweat a lot on your feet and uh yeah that's that's kind of an interesting because she wins a lot of tournaments so she's wearing some nasty socks for a good what three or four days smelly person as she's getting interviewed on the sidelines okay this the second one is actually not an athlete but a coach Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Les Miles. So Les Miles, for those of you that aren't sports fans, uh, used to be the LSU football coach. Yeah. uh, And he had some really shady business going on, so he left. And now he is the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks football team. Right. Um, But something that he says he does is that he will pick up grass off of the football field and eat it during a football game. During the game? Yes, there's actually on this article, there's a video of him actually getting caught, and he had somebody called him on the floor about it and said, why did you do that? And he says, this is a quote, uh, this article's on thesportster.com. This is the quote from Les Miles. It says, I have a little tradition that humbles me as a man, that lets me know that I'm a part of the field, a part of the game. And it's the very bottom as well as the very top, and it could be oh. all over the internet. But you know what? You should have some seen some games like this before. I tell you one thing: the grass at Tiger Stadium tastes the best. Ugh, that's disgusting. I mean, there's there's just so many things wrong with that. I mean, you have guys that are sweating, spitting, bleeding. Uh, it's just why, why? Yeah, I would say. I would say that's not the maybe the grossest one I'm that's on this, but it's definitely the oddest. Uh, like I don't understand the purpose of oh, it. That's uh, sick. Okay, so this is this is a sport that I don't know very well, but we're gonna go for it just to hopefully somebody out there does this or is plays the sport. But this guy's name is Bruce Gardner or Gardiner. Uh, he plays hockey or no, I'm sorry, he used to play hockey, and before games. He would dunk his stick into the toilet of the locker room. Oh, what? Why? His pregame ritual, it says he would tape it, dunk it, and then don't touch it. See, okay, there's there's certain things I'm like, how in the world does that, how do you start to make that a routine? Like, was he just like chilling in the bathroom one time before the game? It when it dunked in, and then he had like an incredible game, so he just had to do it from there on. Out. I that's that to me is I I feel like would that, be the most interesting part. That is another thing we didn't talk about is how do these superstitions start? Some of them very yeah. odd. How did they come up with these ideas? Usually it's by Ugh. accident, just like Tanner said. You just happen to have a really good game. You try to remember everything you did before. Uh, and then you just do it again. 
Well, and I think it's also important to kind of point out that that if you let's say someone does have a superstition because I know there's fans that have superstitions, players that have superstitions, and if they don't perform that, uh, you know, rituals, whatever they do, and their team ends up losing, then you they end up like blaming themselves, and there's a lot of anxiety there. And I think even going into the games yep. or watching the game, like I know there's times where. I'm like, oh, I'm not wearing the shirt or I'm not, you know, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety there for whatever reason because I think something in my head is if I wear this shirt or if I sit in this spot that my team are, will perform better. It just – it literally makes zero sense. It makes no sense. Um, is there any, like, really high-profile name, like, athletes that I would know on that list? Yes. Well, I mean, Serena Williams is a pretty high profile. Well, yeah, I was just, I was going to say, I want to see if you could like list the ritual or like say what the ritual is and give me like the sport and then see if I could like possibly guess who the person okay. is. Well, since you know basketball really well, I will give you two basketball okay. people. Okay. Let's see if I can get it. Um, pretty, this one, I will be very shocked if you don't get this one right. Okay. Uh, this person Mm-hmm. Again, basketball player. Yep. Uh, would underneath their NBA shorts wear the shorts of his college underneath? What? I'm not gonna tell you the the college because I feel like that would give it away. Is so it he buddy, would wear his, buddy healed. He would wear, <laughs> he would wear his NBA shorts. And then underneath those, he would wear his college level shorts. Now he didn't do this the entire his entire career, but at least at the beginning, this is what he did. What team did he play for? I have no idea. This is a very well known player. Is he still in the NBA? He is not. Okay. What what NBA team did he play for? The Chicago Bulls. Oh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wore the North Carolina Tar Heels shorts underneath his Chicago Bulls shorts. No, I I had no idea. I didn't know that. Um, That's interesting, though. Huh. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so next one. You also know this player, have a lot of history with knowing this player, grew up watching this player, another basketball player. All right. This person would the night before a game he would sleep in the opposing team's shorts what he would sleep in the the shorts of the opposing team and these are like game shorts not just like shorts. how do they how did he get access to that how do you have gotten access to those i don't know that would be a conversation for somebody else but Um, you know this person you watched hmm. him in college and sports he is no longer in the nba though mike bibby no, but we're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, Somebody that used to play for Arizona, though. You are close. Jason Terry. Jason Terry is correct. Wow. He would huh. sleep in the opposing player's shorts the night before the game. See, that? Well, I mean, I just don't get, like, I don't know. Obviously, there's probably people that look at our superstitions, like, that doesn't make sense. But, like, what advantage does he feel like he's getting from that? I don't get it. I uh, I just, it doesn't it make a lot of sense to me. Here, let me see. It says, uh, oh, I thought it said something about like getting in their mindset, but I was wrong. Maybe <laughs> that's what I was trying to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was coming up with something. Okay, but <laughs> the funny that you mentioned Mike Bibby, that's really funny because that's another one that's on this list. Huh. Mike Bibby used to, in the middle of the game, during a timeout, clip his own fingernails yeah i just saw that before we started this i i just did a quick search and that was like the first thing i saw he like and during timeouts right during time yes during the game (laughs) see that one makes a little bit more sense to me because at least the fingernails it's like it affects like it maybe it affects the way he feels the ball the the way it releases from his hand i mean that i could i could see and reason with a little bit more some of these other ones eating grass like that does literally nothing you're not helping anyone in that in that uh oh well and i think the thing is going back to your point earlier i think these are things that happen 
or that are done because maybe at some point in your life you played a really good game and you just thought I'll keep doing this over and over. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, There's another, there's some other ones on here that are interesting. I I mean, not as big of hope, high profile players on here. Um, You know, people who eat very strange meals before a game. Right. Um, I know that I read on here, um, I believe uh, Chicago bears player, Brian Erlacher, used to eat exactly two chocolate chip cookies before every game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but let me ask you this question. Did you have anything when you were playing sports that you did that you thought was going to mm, give you an advantage? Not really. Um, I did as a actor. I did at mom- at times. I did some things like before shows. Um, but that wasn't in sports and sports. No, I, I mean, I didn't play long enough. I don't think to really develop, uh, any sort of routine or ritual or what, or whatnot. Um, so not really. Did you, um, so the only thing I could think of, uh, when I was going through this article was I used to participate in free throw shooting contests. Yes. And I, I, when I, when I was younger, I think I had to been, 10 years old um uh man i wish i could remember the name of it it was like the elks national free throw shooting contest um and i made it past the first round and i remember dad taking me like to a park and like (laughs) describing to me okay you need to develop a routine so that every time you get to the free throw line that you take the same amount of dribbles you spin the ball so many times blah 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 so I remember very specifically, I would always take three dribbles, Mm -hmm. one, two, three, and then I would look at, I would look at the hoop and then I would shoot it. Um, Yeah. And, and that felt like my superstition. I didn't do anything. I know that there are players that like do different tricks like they take a breath before they do it they'll touch a certain like they'll touch their shoulder i just had the three dribble thing one yeah two three um, but everyone's different um, well and i and that's an so. interesting thing that you touched on is that i think that could be like a whole other almost a whole other episode talking about uh different free throw routines that players have at the line like if you just go, I, I remember Steve Nash, he'd always lick both hands. He'd, um, he stuck his hair behind his ears and he would like do a, um, a shooting motion. Jason Kidd would do like a, he would blow a kiss, uh, to the rim before yep. he shot. Uh, yep. I mean, there's, there's so many like weird things. And even like when guys check in to like enter the game, like sometimes guys will kiss their, like both their hands, you know, hit their chest twice and point up to the sky. I don't know. There's just so many different little interesting, um, things that guys do that's just like a ritual superstition kind of thing well and if you think about um kind of current current sports i mean you have lebron who i mean i guess he doesn't do it as much anymore but he used to do the big uh baby powder routine before the game right where he'd throw it up into the air right um and I think, I think like, it's a good thing to point out, and I kind of already said this earlier, but I think the reason why we do these superstitions, and even players do it or whatnot, is that it makes them feel comfortable. It's something that, you know, going in, it, like, you know, whatever it does, it's, like, equalizes their, you know, equilibrium. They feel right. They feel good. And I think it's just, like, a way to... It, it may not even be so, like, anxiety-related, but I feel like it is a way to, like reduce control um what they can control which i know is very related to you know anxiety well i would say it is a part of anxiety because it's the same thing about me having to go check the door two or three times to make sure right. it's locked i right. feel more comfortable right now going to sleep or right leaving my apartment because i know yeah it is locked that's true or whatever yeah uh, but anyways so that's some some superstitions there for you yeah. Uh, we'll come back and have a conversation a little bit about our experience with sports related anxiety and yeah, be back soon.
right, everybody, welcome back to an Anxiety Society. Uh, that was DJ Quads. You can find his music on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And for the first time on Anxiety Society, we do have a special guest in the house. That's right. Uh, this person is very dear to Tanner and I, uh, but let me give you his credentials on the sports world. Uh, in high school, he was a second-team All-State football player. He was an all-area basketball player. Uh, he was in the top five relay teams in track and field. And if that wasn't enough, then he went to college on a scholarship to play basketball. After college, he then became a writer for Bleacher Report. Uh, and he did appear on one episode of an ESPN show, which I do not remember the name of. Uh, oh, is yeah. my father, Doug Brodus. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want to tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and sports before we get started? Sure. Well, uh, sports has been a huge part of my life, uh, really from uh, as far as back as I can remember. Uh, started playing you know, local sports uh, in Lyle, Illinois, which is the suburb of Chicago, and uh, that was something that went all the way through uh, not only high school but into college. And uh, still as a fan, and even as Tyler had just mentioned, uh, got had the uh, unique honor of being able to uh, write for Bleacher Report for, for about four years. And uh, fantastic experience. And so uh, still something that sports has always been, always will be a part of my life. Enjoy being playing, but also just following and being a fan. I, I know Tyler listed all of these accolades but I, th I think one accolade he did miss out on was um, your sixth man of the year in back-to-back -back years uh, as a carnivore at the CAC um, on our championship teams. Well, th that was something that I was going to hold for later because uh, <laughs> probably of all my great distinctions in life and in sports uh, was my role on those, uh, those record yes. teams because uh, – <laughs> I was about uh, twice the age of everybody else that was out there. Uh, still got to get the T-shirt. <laughs> You're like the the Derek Fisher of the CAC. Well, that's uh, that. I, I'll take that because uh, <laughs> Derek Fisher had a, a good role on on a lot of championship teams. So that's right. Nice. Well, so uh, we brought my dad on because obviously very knowledgeable about sports. Um, you know has a lot of knowledge about teams and all of that. And uh, we thought it would be interesting to bring him on to hear his perspective on uh, things related to sports anxiety. Um, and um, first, before we get started, I did want to ask you, dad, um, what team do you feel like is like the team that you follow that causes you the most anxiety of any team? Well, uh, probably that would be the Oklahoma Sooners football team, and uh, <laughs> not because they are so uh, they they've done so well in in the years that uh, that I've been following them, uh, but it just seems like that uh, as I'm following them, as I'm watching them, it just is something that I just get fully into. And uh, while I followed them, you know, extensively in the last several years, uh, when all three of you you boys have been uh, were students there and then afterwards, but even my uh, following Oklahoma Sooners football was goes back to uh, the early earlier days when Barry Switzer was there, and uh, definitely something that I followed even all the way back into my junior high and high school years. Yeah, yeah, I I think that that's an interesting point though. I think you said you know they cause a lot of anxiety even though they've had a lot of success. I think that's part of the the reason why you may feel so anxious because if they were just terrible year after year, you really probably not that you wouldn't care, but losing wouldn't mean as much. Well, I know definitely uh, as I watched them, uh, the seasons where they haven't done as well, uh, my you know my stress level is definitely lower because the games <laughs> don't yeah. don't mean as much, and I'm not as as geared into staying on top of all the information and uh, the various right. things. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely believe that their success level also increases the stress level. 
Yep. <laughs> nice. We're specifically <laughs> talking about the Landry Jones Blake Bell era. <laughs> <laughs> that that was uh, that was uh, an interesting uh, time in the recent years, uh, and uh, probably not my most favorite. OU teams, but uh, some some interesting football being played in those years. But it yeah. is it's nice that we can take a couple seasons off, you know, every fifteen years or so to not not uh, be as worked up game after game. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so we're what we're gonna do is uh, you know sports is such a large general topic, and so we thought what we would do is do some quick hits on a bunch of different topics in sports. Um, and kind of just get our, our different takes on the anxiety that surrounds these different things. Um, you know, I would say the first one that I wanted to start off with is just kind of like the stereotype of what a sports person, whether whatever sport that is, football, basketball, whatever it is, um, the stereotype that people in sports can't really suffer from anxiety or they can't talk about it, um, which I know has been uh, recently has been kind of uh, the walls have kind of been breaking down with uh, players like Kyle Guy uh, from the NCAA or the NCAA champion uh, Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, I do know that uh, I believe Kevin Love has also come out and talked about how he suffers from anxiety. Uh, but you know, just I was interested, Dad, to hear your thoughts on that that experience growing up in the locker room. Did you know anybody that suffered from anxiety, or just do you feel like you were would would have been able to talk about something like that? Well, definitely, I would say that it is a is more openly discussed today than it was even back when I was in in high school and college, which would have been you know in the eighties. Uh, back then, uh, it was probably any type of anxiety or stress, especially that was more than just you know, kind of being keyed up about a game, uh, you it was looked at as a weakness. And so I, de- I definitely think it kind of drove most of that that type of thing underground. I don't think that, uh, that it, it's not just that it wasn't it wasn't there. It's just that because just during that time and even that time in sports, uh, it just really wasn't talked about so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's also one of those things that, we see these. We've we've built up athletes to be these warrior type guys, and I think for them to show any sign of weakness is, you know, a detriment to their character, to how tough they are. Um, I think it's. I think some of that has started to disappear as kind of. I, I think more of the social media age has allowed players to open up more who they are as like a person, and honestly. I feel like people have grown closer to players because they can relate to them more. Do you agree with that? Well, I definitely think that uh, the uh, that human side and the human meaning that they aren't these you know, perfect, uh, never you know, never have any problems. You know, those that side has opened a whole other dimension as far as for fans because rather than than uh, athletes being kind of these untouchable. All superhumans, uh, they're they're more like more like them, and and I think that that right. I think that's a cool thing because I, I do think that uh, it reduces kind of that that separation between athletes and fans and the people that follow them because uh, because they do see that they they have some of the the same struggles or same things that that happen with them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Um, we uh, just did a segment on superstitions in sports, different athletes, famous athletes who did things before games to kind of uh, their tradition or routine that they couldn't break because it meant that they were going to have a bad game. Did you have any superstitions when you were playing? Well, I can't really think much of in some of the other sports that I played, but in basketball I had a couple uh, that I really worked hard to to maintain. Uh, one of those was on 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 home game days, as far as in basketball, when I played varsity basketball at Lyle High School, um, I would make sure that I was putting, I, I wore two pairs of socks um, for on uh, on game yep. days. And yeah. uh, I I would put both pair of socks on my left foot and then my left shoe on, and then both pair of <laughs> socks on my right foot and then my right shoe on. Wow. I have no idea how that started, but it was, if anybody interrupted that process or something happened, it was kind of like, uh-oh. 
And uh, <laughs> so it definitely was something that uh, there's no real basis for why that was a thing or why I thought that, that I needed to do that. But I did that. I think uh-huh. every game that I probably played, um, well, I guess that wasn't just home games. That was all games. Uh, but that that was definitely something <laughs> that I did. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I kind of brought up the point. We talked about how superstitions I think have grown out of like players or athletes or fans even um, have trying to have some sort of sense of control. Um, and that that's like one tiny thing that you can control every single game. And do you think that's that's why you did that or do you think it's more of just a fluke random i just did this one time i had a good game and i just you know never stopped i I, well i i I don't think it was just the fluke one game thing but i do believe that there was a sense of there was a routine that uh yeah for whatever reason i don't know if it 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 made me calm but it, it was something that i just tried to have and and like i said i have no idea how that started but right. I, it, there could have been that I had a good game after doing it, so I thought, hey, I'm going to do it again. Uh, but that definitely was part of it, too. I'll throw in <laughs> another thing I just remembered is that th- this was for home games in basketball. I would have a pretty pretty uh, mapped-out routine when I went home from school between the school and then the game that evening. It was basically that I would come home, I would watch uh, some uh, videotaped game game film, not necessarily of our games. It was college games like uh, at the time because we lived in Chicago. There was a lot of Big Ten basketball that I was watching. So I watched some videotapes of that. Yeah. Um, I would uh, eat a, a meal uh, of some type of pasta. I would go and huh. take a nap. I'd get up and take a shower, and then I'd go to the game. Huh. <laughs> so again, it was, it was a routine that I... It had some of those things had some practical preparation type things, but some of it was again just a routine that uh, it it was something I liked. Uh, it probably there was a level that it probably when I did that that routine was a kind of had a you know a settling effect because I was you know even though I I love playing basketball I, I did well with it. Uh, game days were a day I was pretty keyed up so. Yeah. Well, at least you don't. You didn't eat grass like Les Miles. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I I would say my uh, my my superstitions or routines were uh, pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the next topic I wanted to kind of talk about was because you did experience this, even though Tanner and I did not. But um, kind of the idea of the pressure for certain players to perform really well in order to get a scholarship. Uh, I do think that this has maybe increased way more in recent times, given social media and all those kinds of things. Like I think about, you know, going back way, you know, a long time ago, LeBron James coming out of high school, you know, his games were being broadcast on ESPN and he was a senior in high school. You know, the pressure that is there to, you know, get a scholarship or, you know, those kinds of things. I can't imagine that kind of pressure my senior year of high school. I mean, I believe he was even getting compared to Michael Jordan at that point, yeah. which is a ridiculous yeah. statement, but but it's like, how do you live up to something like that? And so I guess, you know, what are your thoughts around, you know, maybe your experience in getting scholarships and maybe what you think it's changed into and the pressure that's on those kind of athletes? Well, I think that there's two sides to all of that because one of the things that as a, as a young athlete um, – and I'll just, you know, say that I, I think my experience was kind of like a lot of others, is that you were working hard and hoping that you you get noticed, uh, that you start to uh, receive contacts from colleges, you start to get into that whole flow of things. And so part of it is you're wanting to see that happen, you're working hard to see that happen, and then when it starts to happen, yeah, there is some, some pressure uh, that goes along with that. One of the things, because I didn't have anything remotely close to what you were talking about in, uh, you know, the, you know, national media and all that, but one of the things that experiences that I had is the summer before my senior year in high school, I got invited to a, uh, basketball camp in, in Indiana that had, uh, top players from all over the country brought in, and it was a recruiting camp. And it was something that, 
um, you had uh, you, you were just split up into into teams randomly. You didn't know the people that you were put with, and then you just mm-hmm. played games all week. They had a little bit of drills that they were doing, but yeah. uh, I was on a I was on a team. You know, I wasn't at the level that you know big time coaches were were uh, there to see me. Uh, but the cool thing about it is, uh, with all that, there was kind of some added exposure. But I was on a team that actually had two guys that ended up playing in the NBA, actually three guys that ended up playing in the NBA. And so mm-hmm. when, you know, they, the coaches that were there, I mean, we're talking about some of the big-time coaches of of that time, is that, you know, we'd be just playing our our camp games, and you'd look over and – there were there were uh, coaches like Bobby Knight and Mike Shushevsky. Wow. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there was guy. I mean, every coach that you can imagine. I mean, this is back in the eighties. Uh, they were yeah. there, and so I, I guess to me, as a guy who wasn't competing for that level of you know recruiting, it was it was a great great experience, and uh, and I, I did get uh, some things that uh, as far as noticed about that. But even within that, again, it didn't have like a state championship or a national championship on the line. But it was yeah. kind of a, both sides of that, both really cool but also kind of stressful. And so kind of right. both sides of that. Yeah, and kind of touching on Tyler said is I think there's a lot of um, kids now that are kind of in that social media age. Um, I, I remember the first time I heard about Zion Williamson was on Twitter and watching his uh, highlight reel um, you know, of him just dunking in the gym. And now I think there's this added pressure of you have to have this, you know, uh, highlight reel that's going to go viral to be successful. Um, I think it adds this whole other dimension to the game and, and probably is affecting the game in some ways because, you know, you want to have, you know, these big time plays, big time games. And, you know, those you know the role players don't get the viral highlight reels it's it's mostly the um you know zion williams and dunking over someone so i think that's probably a whole other layer layer of anxiety that you never had to deal with um that you know players now have to deal with yeah and i and i think that that uh i don't know what this uh, as far as how it relates to maybe stress or anxiety but because of that whole dimension of what you had just talked about, it, it, it's possible that there could be a kind of competitiveness on teams uh, to uh, get greater exposure, and uh, right so uh, it could it could potentially uh, increase things. And I think that there's always been that uh, because you know people want to they want to be the star, they want to be the guy, the go-to person at the end of the yeah. game. That's nothing new. That social media yeah. has a created that but it right. may have increased that um along the way because there is the at least the opportunity or the possibility of exposure because of uh of, of that type of coverage or that type of uh, just being out there because of uh whether it's twitter or youtube or anything else. right yeah that's true yeah those are good those are good thoughts um the next topic that I wanted to kind of talk about and, you know, I know dad, you have a story with this, but um, you know, there's a lot of pressure, you know, OU football is a good example. When you are really good at what you do, you're winning games all the time. Um, you know, there's pressure there. There's anxiety to perform well, uh, especially on teams that, you know, maybe they're on some sort of like record breaking streak. You know, I can think about the warriors a few seasons ago, you know, trying to beat that, that, uh, best record in the NBA in NBA history. Um, you know, most recently the Kansas Jayhawks um, just actually went down, but, you know, had a streak of, I want to say it was like 14 or 15 years straight of big 12 championships. There's this anxiety that you don't want to be the person that that, that streak ends on. And so there's pressure to perform. Even if you're not like a high profile player going to play in the NBA, you don't want to be the fall guy for that. Uh, so what, what do you have to say about that? I know you do have a story to share with that too. Yeah, well, uh, one of the uh, great opportunities that I had growing up was uh, going to a high school that had a, a dominant high school football program, uh, Lyle High School, for I don't know how many years this covered. It was something like seven or eight years. Uh, we won 56 straight conference or district games in a row. Uh, 
obviously wow. uh, there was undefe- uh, there was undefeated seasons, in fact, several undefeated seasons uh, during that time. And I actually was on uh, the varsity team, you know, as that that uh, that streak was increasing. So was my brother. He he was he played uh, varsity football there for two years, and uh, I was actually on the field. Now this is not one of my highlights, but this is one of the <laughs> other directions uh, is that I was actually on the field playing. Uh, started both ways on the team that lost uh, the game that ended that streak. Wow! I'm talking about, <laughs> I mean, we lost the game, and that's big enough just because I just I never wanted to lose any game. But to right. lose that game and feel like you have you have ended something that was carried on through multiple years. <laughs> and uh, and it, it was just a, a a challenging time, and it was something that you think, oh my word, what just happened here? And uh, <laughs> and so it was one of the one of the low points of my my uh, my sports career was being on that side of things. And 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 honestly, with you know talking about the mounting pressure or whatever, I did think going into that season, even though we had won a couple games before that. Um, I was thinking about that. It was something that was on my mind, and I was thinking, yeah. uh, "Boy, I hope I hope we're not the ones." And sure enough, uh, we were. And one <sighs> kind of kind of a reverse points about that is that one one year prior to that, on that same football field, that was in Elmwood Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. Also, um, my brother Dave had kicked a fifty-three year. 53-yard field goal, which was the state record at the time wow. uh, in the state of Illinois. And so for our family, that field represented a very high point and a very low point <laughs> in our sport, family sports history. Uh, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be a different experience nowadays. Like, I, I think about field goal kickers who are ending the game, and, you know, when they let the team down – it's no longer just like, oh, you get written about in the, the school paper or maybe the town paper. Like, people are coming at you one-on-one on social media, and you get bombarded. Yep. I mean, I know field goal kickers have deleted their accounts. Uh, I, I mean, I know that happens with other players, but specifically I think about field goal kickers and how, like, when they let the team down, they are just attacked relentlessly. Right. Yeah. Well, it is uh, so, it is a unique role. It's a unique role among the sports, at least the main sports uh, in, in the United States, to have somebody that only comes on the field, you know, a couple times during the game. I guess the closest might be, you know, the ninth inning, like the closer relief pitcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but you know, there is such a a huge uh, because they don't have the rest of the game to be adding to the team. I mean, sure, they would have kicked maybe extra points or field goals previous to that. But, yeah, that is – you talk about some huge pressure. It is uh, games on the line. You know, the team has run the clock down and called a timeout, set you up in the middle of the field so that's perfect for you. (laughs) Boy, it is – it is – you're talking about the – the peak of athletic pressure. That's it uh, on, the, yeah. on the field goal kicker. It, it's it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit and kind of go. You know, we've been talking a lot about player anxiety, what it feels like for them. But you know, sports isn't just a player sport, even though they're the ones that are driving it. You know, there's a lot of other people involved. Um, and I know that you have experience with like the writing side. You've also been on radio. I forgot to mention that in your credentials. You've been on several nationally syndicated radio shows. Um, so can you talk about like the pressure of either writing or talking about sports in a national setting? Well, I know that one of the things that uh, I I honestly uh, felt like as far as in my role as a featured columnist on Bleacher Report was that uh, I had an an opportunity uh, to be a part of that kind of bigger conversation, and I I, I enjoyed that. And there was a uh, a level of I, I don't know if you'd call it pressure or responsibility to be adding to it, and not just to kind of just regurgitating facts or information, but being part of that 
you know, that kind of kept that conversation going. And uh, because I was involved with, uh, as far as with Bleacher Report, I was college basketball. It kind of, it was interesting because college basketball has, at least in American sports, has this role of not too many people other than just absolutely crazed college basketball fans care much about college basketball until after the Super Bowl. And yeah. so you have this really from about Febu- the 1st of February till March and Bathus that really, you know, attentions turn in that way. And so uh, it was a cool opportunity. And you mentioned about, you know, being on radio. One of the uh, the parts that was both exciting and also just terrifying is that usually when I went on radio, it was with a station that had just contacted me possibly a short time before. I mean, you know, probably no no less than a couple hours before that time. It could be a little bit more, but a lot of times it was just a couple hours before. And with no sense of we're going to be talking about these teams, these players, uh, and so – any any preparation that I did uh, prior to the the radio show was just my best guess on where we might be headed, and so literally when uh, when I was getting ready to go onto a segment, uh, they would call my phone, uh, and uh, literally it would be probably a minute where they say, "Hey, uh, thanks for coming on with us." This wasn't on air. Did the person who answered say, "Thanks for coming on with us." And uh, we'll say Josh. Josh will be with you in about uh, 30 seconds. And I would just be on hold, and then all of a sudden I was on live radio, and for the wow. next 10 minutes or so, we just had a conversation that could go in any direction. And so right. I guess to me, I, 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 it was both, as I said, both exciting and terrifying because the possibilities <laughs> were that I could – run up against a question that I had absolutely no idea. And so I had to be ready, ready to talk. And I guess fortunately I'm pretty decent on my feet as far as being able to field questions and respond to them. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite, quite a, uh, kind of uh, some anxious moments during those, uh, those radio. Well, and I vividly remember one time, I don't know if it was you're getting ready for the TV show or you're getting ready for just a radio, but I remember one time coming in, I think it was, you were in the bedroom and you had like 15 pieces of paper all lined up on the bed <laughs> and there was different things highlighted, circled, stats scribbled on the side. And <laughs> I was just like, what? How are you going to manage to look at? And so I think you were just like, like you said, preparing for anything and everything. Um, but I think there's, yeah. Well, it was those that that is a really good snapshot because there was a whole lot of times, especially if I was at home, I would have multiple sheets of information and I would lay right. them out on the bed. And <laughs> if again, if somebody was taping that, I would walk around the bed and I'd be looking for, you know, I'd know that I wrote something on some sheet and I'd be talking on the phone and, you know, talk and, and I was live. This wasn't, right. you know, this wasn't, you know, something where I was yeah. able to do a various, you know, portions and re re-record them or anything like that. It was live. And so I would be pacing around the bedroom or, you know, walking around our bed back and forth looking for things. And they usually had a, I knew where they were, but still, right. it was uh, some pretty crazy moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so kind of one more last big topic to kind of talk about is just like the fan experience. So now more than ever, fans are super involved with the sports and the teams that they watch. You can be involved at whatever level you want to. So if you're just like super shallow, you just want to show up and watch the games you know, there's apps that can just tell you the score. You don't have to get involved. But now they have things like fantasy sports and every type of fantasy sport that you could probably think of. And you're super attuned to, you know, I know in fantasy football, you're really paying attention to injuries. You don't want your player to be put in there if it's injured so that, you know, they can't earn your points. Um, you know, now you have gambling, you know, really becoming yeah. a big thing because now I believe, isn't it legal in all, it's becoming legal in certain states now. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but then, then I was, uh, you know, I know we've talked about this a little bit. I don't follow sports to this level, but now you can, like we've talked about, you can follow high school athletes on their Twitter right. accounts, on their YouTube. You can go to that level where you can have that much 
buy-in to your team. You can see the next you could see somebody in the eighth grade that's coming in four years, yep. but the fan experience has just changed dramatically and which causes a lot more anxiety. Um, two things that I can remember. One, when I was at my first OU football game, I remember a guy turning to me. I knew the guy, but he turned to me and he said, I you know, I was like, oh this is a cool game and all that. And he told me he was like OU football is not just a game. He's like, it's a way of life. And that changed my whole perspective <laughs> on the entire OU football experience. I was like, wow, this is like a yep. religion or, you know, something way different than what I thought yeah. up to that point. And uh, so what do you guys have thoughts around that? Just like the fan experience now uh, in sports. Yeah, you go ahead, dad. Well, I think that, uh, you know, again, th- there is there are certain things that, and you mentioned, you know, some of the things as far as social media, YouTube videos, uh, various apps that has added to things. But I think that you've had for long periods of time people that are just devoted, fanatical fans, and it really they, their life is almost uh, up and down based on how their team is going. And uh, I guess being somebody who probably is right on the edge of being kind of that, you know, fanatical fan at times. Um, I know that there is a the part of it is it's. I've always thought of following teams and following sports as a a in some way the harmless diversion from kind of the rest of the pressures and things of life. It gives you something to look forward to. It's something that you know yeah. you can kind of enjoy the high highs and even you know the low lows. There's you know. That's not necessarily you're enjoying the low lows, but they're a part of that. But I think that sports does provide that. And so it's, it's entertainment, I guess, on one level, but it's also something that it kind of unites people. I went to uh, uh, a the OU uh, Texas uh, Big 12 championship football game this last December, and uh, it was such a cool experience from the standpoint, one, uh, because OU won, so that was nice. But also uh, because just during the game, you have that opportunity, you know, to not only be watching it yourself, because I wasn't sitting with anybody that I knew, uh, but there is that, that, you know, that commonality, that kind of connection that happens in a stadium. And so uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know a single person that around me. I don't follow, didn't follow up. But during that game, there was a, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a level of bonding or connection that took place that we were enjoying it together. And so yeah. there was the stress of the game because there was back and forth, but uh, but still there was uh, some very positive emotions that is not so much, I guess there was stress, um, but then there was a, a release, a relief uh, following that. And so I do right. think that there is a place where some of that, uh, that, that diversion side of, of sports is, is a very positive thing. And, and that doesn't mean that it's, diversion meaning it's all relaxed um yeah but it and 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 as you mentioned ty um there is the opportunity for uh digging in and kind of getting so much information uh and i'm one of those people who enjoy you know kind of sports at that level especially for the teams that i follow yeah um i think i think we could honestly talk about sports gambling um related anxiety for an entire episode so i think that's something that maybe we could even touch on in the future um but it's interesting you brought up like looking at uh, high school athletes um and being into and now um even you're looking at eighth graders i actually wrote for a website called youth sports um i think it's youth sports one and they're literally class rankings down to i believe sixth grade um and so wow that it's just wow. it's it's changed sports and so I mean and you hear you know some of these eighth graders getting uh, scholarship offers from um, D one schools and not just small like Kentucky or Kansas or Duke uh, and so there's just it's and I and I don't know how you know that really has affected the psyche of you know a middle schooler but I know what I was like at eighth grade and I don't think I would have really fully understood. Um, or been able to, you know, really live with that sort of pressure on my shoulders for, you know, for a full four, uh, four years of high school. Um, I think that's probably added a lot of, you know, anxiety in, you know, young youth um, athletes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think for the fan experience, I think, you know, going back to what you've said, Dad, I think the thing that I can remember about sports that has really just kind of helped me out is that, you know, while yeah, I think people, some people that don't watch sports are like, how can you get so emotionally involved? Um, it's not necessarily the game itself, but there, it's like the moments that you can remember that it brought you through. Like, I remember we moved from Arizona uh, to Kansas during my sixth grade year. And during that time we were following in 2001, the Arizona Diamondbacks were on the, the greatest playoff run that they've ever experienced to this point. Um, and yeah. they won the world series. Now that wasn't necessarily like, like I, I don't still root for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but I remember like that whole experience of my life because the Arizona Diamondbacks got me through, you know, my brother right. just, you know, Jordan, our, our, brother your son um, just wrote an article about Dirk Nowitzki and how Dirk Dirk has stayed loyal to Dallas and he's brought us through so many like difficult times as far as sports but also not just sports and so like there's this part of sports that like just unites your life and allows you to look forward to something when maybe life isn't like good I guess I should say well, I, I definitely think that uh, that's the that's the place where um, the the people that are not sports fans at all don't don't understand that uh, the potential the positive potential for for all of those things. And uh, again, it's it's not because sports are so important, but they do have this unique ability to either create a, kind of a, just positive experiences or or even connections. Uh, along the way, and uh, and I think that's that's one of the cool things about it because uh, again, overall sports, you know, aren't, aren't you know the most important thing in life, but they do provide you know some opportunities uh, for us, whether it's in, in uh, again just having an interest or connecting with people, and uh, and so with that, uh, I, I really think that's one of the things that's one of the cool side parts of of following sports and being a fan. Yep. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're wrapping up here, but before I go, you know, because you're a, an avid OU football uh, fan, uh, are you are you anxious at all about Jalen Hurts? Are you anxious at all about Alex Grinch and his speed D? Or do you think that OU can pull it off again and get it to the playoffs? Well, I, I, I actually think that uh, the my confidence level in both the people that you mentioned, uh, Jalen Hurts and uh, and Grinch, I think are both uh, people that I'm real excited about. Uh, now, if you if you're going to say uh, for Jalen Hurts, the one of the things that I am concerned about is OU lost four of their five offensive linemen, and so they're having to kind of rebuild their offensive line. The good thing is with Jalen Hurts transferring to OU. Uh, they have an experienced quarterback uh, that's going to be behind that rebuilding, you know, rebuilt line, and so right. uh, I think my my stress level about that is probably lower than it would have, <laughs> you know than would be than if you had a inexperienced quarterback. And as far as uh, Alex Grinch, I I think that my expectations, and maybe this is one of the reasons why I don't have a whole lot of stress about that. My expectation is that he's not going to rebuild uh, the. Oklahoma defense in in a single year. If he does and he exceeds expectations, fantastic. But I I honestly think that if he can just make some good improvement this year, me as an OU fan, I'll be satisfied. I he, it, I don't expect that that OU defense will uh, all of a sudden be like a top ten or top twenty five defense in the first year of a new defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh, well, there's a whole lot of people that that disagree with that, though. There's a whole lot of people <laughs> that think that he should turn it around in the first year. So, I think that's a little that's unrealistic. It's true. Uh, well, Dad, thank you for coming on the show. Um, thank you all for listening to uh, this uh, podcast. Uh, again, if you would like to talk to us more about uh, your anxiety, maybe you're a big avid sports fan. Tell us which team you like and. Uh, what what anxious thoughts you have about your team. Uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can also email us at anxietysocietypod at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, we'll be talking about health and our anxiety around health next episode. Uh, so here's a quick trailer uh, for that podcast. We'll see you next time.
switching kind of continued and so you know the first thing i did was well not the first thing but after it gone on for a few days i uh searched twitching and right arm and the first thing that popped up was als and so i was like well this isn't good thanks for listening to this week's episode don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll see you next week on Anxiety Society.